Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. 810 on Wisconsin's Morning News. How are you feeling today? You feel a little different? You look any different? Anything different about you? Eric, you feel any different today? No. You feel should. the same. I you should. should. The COVID public health emergency is over today. There you go. So today is very different than yesterday. <laughs> In virtually no way, huh. right? Other than some things logistically, obviously what's happening at the border with the COVID-era immigration policy coming to an end at midnight tonight. That will be a story that we'll definitely be getting into tomorrow as we see what happens there. So there are some logistical things that happen with the expiration of the COVID public health emergency officially expiring now in the U.S. Uh, in terms of how we pay for certain things, whether they're COVID tests or treatments or things like that, your insurance may handle it differently. But outside of that, in terms of how we live our daily lives, virtually nothing changes, if anything at all. What's funny is Eric and I were discussing, what do you want to start at 8 o'clock? What do you want to talk about? And I suggested, I don't know, I think we should talk about COVID and the public health emergency expiring. And Eric's like, why? Isn't it just Thursday? It is. It's just just Thursday today. And then tomorrow will be Friday. This has changed nothing for 98% of the people. The rest of our lives, just this thing that like changed the planet, that changed the trajectory of all of our lives Three years ago, now three years later, it's like, yeah, it's done now. I didn't say it was done. It's just, it's another day. It has not affected or impacted anyone from last night into today. Now, is there something happening in the border? Yes. So there's Title 42 and all that, and that has some pandemic ramifications. Yes. Tied to that. Yes, that is happening today. Nothing's different about COVID today than it was yesterday, right? I think that's your point. Yes. Like in terms of how the illness is affecting us, how we're going about our daily lives. Mask thing has been gone for a long time. Hospitals have figured out how to treat it in a way where we don't have these huge influx. The variances don't seem to be affecting people the same way. There is a percentage that still they get the get the uh, vaccine and will continue to, per doctor's suggestions, and, and uh, that maybe will rolled out like a flu shot is. Okay, we don't have to talk about it tomorrow, but one day, give me one day to go through what I think are things that we have to review our response to it. Because in five years, or in two years, or in ten years, or whenever the next one is, and there's going to be a next one, and it won't be as long in between pandemics anymore, or at least what could become a pandemic, because... We're so much more connected. There's so much more travel. The population has continued to explode here on Earth. Now we're, what, over 8 billion now? Mm-hmm. When we were kids, we were 6 billion. So, I mean, like, more and more people, more and more people lo- living closer to rural areas, having contact with animals. Things jump from animal to people. We had a couple of close calls. I mean, SARS was one of those that we talked about. The swine flu was one of those that we talked about. Never materialized to the point that this did in terms of COVID. But... So these will be around. We'll be having these conversations again. So I just wanted to take a moment here. My my lens on this is what did we do right? What did we do wrong that we should never do again and make sure that we know what those things are? And can we come to some sort of consensus and agreement on them so no. we don't repeat the mistakes? No, we can't. We can't. But we, but we can't come to any consensus. That's true. Even, if, even if, if everything you say is being looked at, and I believe actually that... The CDC does look at matters and readjusts and figures out what they should try to do next time. I, I would like to think that that's being studied right now. But no, <laughs> they won't. There will not be a consensus because our country now lives on the idea of divisiveness. But anyway, go ahead. Well, and so maybe, though, since we're past it now, now that it's over, 
We're not talking about policies that would be enacted right now that are affecting us currently, that maybe that we can come in the rearview mirror now, reassess and lay out a plan that we can agree on for the future. Maybe. No. Oh, so like a battle plan? Yeah. Like here's what we'll Update do. Update the battle plan. Now we learned. We had three years of data for a novel virus, how it affected people. The things that we did, did they work? Did they not work? So that is the one thing that I know Robin Voss and the governor are spending a lot of time on together. They're getting in the room together, working on a battle plan for the next pandemic. <laughs> they not. Not at all. They can't get anything else done, but they are talking about the potential for Pandemic 2.0. So on my list of <laughs> things... That is not happening. <laughs> that is not actually happening. Well, I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> on my list of things that we did, I, I broke it out, good, bad, and sort of neutral. So that might have some good or bad or maybe no no real discernible effect. Okay. Uh, let's, do you want to start with the good? Sure. What worked during COVID? What okay. did we do well? Any thoughts right off the bat? Uh, we learned how to paint. We learned how to sing to make our neighbors <laughs> feel better. <laughs> Thank we you. learned how to watch 80s movies with our kids well, there nightly. All right. Maybe there's a psychological takeaway. I think people did learn to slow down a little bit. Yeah, sure. I know my life is right back to where it was pre-COVID now. We're <laughs> right. running like yesterday, literally running. Oh, my gosh. Literally running from thing to thing, right? My, my yesterday and the day before, holy cow. Five things going on at once, and I only have three kids. But anyway, Yes, right. Maybe a consciousness of, man, that was nice when we got to take a breath. Slow down a little bit, and maybe we should remind ourselves of that on this uh, anniversary or, or COVID public health emergency actually expiring today. Uh, on my list of good were the vaccines. Now, I'll qualify that with this. I don't think the vaccines delivered on the promise of preventing the spread of COVID-19. Right? When we were all double and triple vaxxed and quad vaxxed, the thing was still spreading like wildfire. I think it did not prevent people from getting covid in fact, I think, particularly in those earlier days, it might even have increased the spread of COVID. Because we were out yeah. doing things? We were out, felt vaxxed, and then because the vaccine minimized the symptoms, there were a lot of people who might otherwise have felt lousy and said, I better isolate, I better do all these things, who either didn't know or I didn't test, I feel mostly okay, right? who were out there possibly reinfecting others who might otherwise, were they sicker, have stayed home. That said, I do think through personal experience, through anecdotal evidence, through other evidence about how hospital numbers fell, death numbers fell, I think the vaccines, for the most part, kept people out of the hospital and kept people from dying. Not 100 percent. They weren't foolproof, but I think they delivered on that. I'm quad vaxxed myself. I had no complications with it. I don't diminish those who did have complications with it. I think we need to still continue to study that. But I think that was a positive. And we got it out in a hurry. I know that people still have questions about some of the side effects. And we do have to look 10 years out. We should continue to review. Do, do other things pop up? And does it become like the flu shot where you bring your kids in and the doctor goes, okay, we're going to do the flu shot. We're going to do the COVID shot. You got this and that and the other thing. Does it just become part of the regular in vaccination process year in and year out? If my doc tells me this summer, hey, you should get a COVID, COVID shot in fall when you get your flu shot. Okay, I'll do it. And I'll feel better about it and we'll have no issues. So I think we, we did that. We rolled them out quick. We got them. And it definitely changed the game, I think, for COVID. What else did we do well? Uh, I thought we did testing very well, eventually. I was going to say it took a little bit. There, took a but, little bit, yep, but they yep. figured that out. They stood up these mass testing sites. And some of them, you didn't even have to get out of your car. There was no way when things started to spike. When was it? Right after the, It was after the vaccine. But remember, right as we approached the holidays, mm -hmm. there was uh, another huge spike. 
that second time around. So what would that have been? Twenty one, right? I mean, by that point, there was no reason not to get tested if you wanted to get tested. They were sending tests to your house. The government figured out a way to provide that free of charge. You can argue whether or not that was wise or not. But if you wanted to get tested for COVID, you could get tested. I thought we did a really good job on that. And I I would say that with the vaccine clinics that we stood up as well. And that brings me to another thing that we did well, our National Guard and our U.S. military. Boy, the National Guard was a Swiss Army knife for a lot of things. We were having trouble staffing polling places. We We literally sent in the Guard to help us with elections. In terms of getting vaccines in people, in terms of getting the testing, National Guard, National Guard, National Guard, and to some effect, the U.S. military at large. Uh, We used our military well, and our National Guards, men and women, we owe them a great debt of gratitude because they did two to two and a half years just burning. They were everywhere we needed them to be. So that's my list of good. Okay. Okay, you want bad, or do you want neutral next? Uh, Let's go with the bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Can't close the schools again. Cannot. Cannot. I think initially that was the right response. Nobody knew what we were dealing with here. I told my kids, ah, a few weeks, this will blow over. Well, it didn't blow over, nor was it going to. Definitely wrong on that. But I think as we look back on the data, kids could have been in school. We could have figured out a way to do it. I know we were concerned, not even so much with the kids, because I think we learned relatively early on that the kids who did get COVID largely, not exclusively or entirely, but largely did not get as sick as adults. So they were going to be okay. There was worry about them getting their teachers sick who might bring that home to older adults who are more susceptible. Okay. And you can't have school if nobody can be in school. So you do have to figure that out in terms of substitutes and all of that. But I think we realized and we definitely see cannot, we are still recovering and may never recover with this generation fully from what we did to them for two years with the on and again, off again school. MPS was closed for a year disastrous test results, all the mental health stuff like that. So I definitely think we did that wrong. Should have figured out a way to get those kids back in school sooner. Uh, Let me see. Also on my bad list, um, the lockdowns just in general didn't work. Many studies out now showing that maybe no more, and you can't know for sure, but there are studies based on the projections that maybe no more people would have died. We'd be ultimately at the same number here three years later had we not shut down the entire planetary economy. And we are, as we know, still recovering from that. And then all the ripple effects of what that did to us, not just in terms of how we make money or whatever, but just how we lived our lives. People who were out of work. Now nobody can get, people can't get workers to help start their businesses back up again. Things like that. Still dealing with that ripple effect. You disagree on that one? Um, I, that one's tough for me because one of the examples that I give, and maybe this is anecdotally, but. I went to Pigeon Forge last year in the summer, and it was a madhouse. It was a mad. I couldn't go anywhere without being shoulder to shoulder with everyone. If you don't know, inside or outside, Pigeon Forge is Wisconsin Dells times (laughs) thirty and high. Yeah, Dells (laughs) on on steroids in Tennessee, there by the Smoky Mountains, and like anywhere I went, inside or outside, madhouse. People everywhere. People on your shoulders. People walking all like just people were everywhere, and I. It's a good thing because people were traveling. But my point is, is that, boy, I, I actually laughed. I'm like, economy? Man, everyone's throwing money here like it's crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't just one type of demographic. Name the type of person. I mean, color, age, anything. They were everywhere. Still supply chain issues that are ripple effects, yep, trying sure. to get the economy yep. back on its regular track. So I, I definitely think, and, it, and again, we do have to study it. But if the studies show, as I know a couple of initial ones have shown, 
We might not be in any different place right now than we would have been had we not locked down things for as long as we did. And I, th- I think that was definitely a fail. I've got a couple of neutrals and another big fail up next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Well, we got an accident on 894 eastbound right at Loomis. It is off on the right shoulder, so watch out for that. On eastbound 94, hitting the brakes from just before 84th Street all the way through the stadium interchange. 13 minutes to get from the zoo into downtown. That will be an extra six. Northbound on 41, a little heavy from Blue Mound up past Swan Boulevard. And uh, southbound 43, for the most part, looking pretty good. Most of the delay. on Wisconsin's morning news. The COVID public health emergency officially ends in America today. Talking about what we did right, what we did wrong, what we learned from the whole experience. This on the old National Bank talking text line 855-616-1620. You're spreading misinformation that COVID vaccines caused more spread. Do better. I hate that line. Stop with the do better. You're not a scientist or let alone a doctor. You should be talking about Trump today. I got Trump. That's coming up. I'll give you that one. Here's another thing. That we'd learned from COVID. You don't have to be a scientist and you don't have to be a doctor to see what's right in front of your own face. And we shouldn't be afraid to talk about that. Right in front of our own face is the data. The highest spikes that we had in COVID transmission came well after the vaccine was out. Like that's there. That's in front of you. So use your own brain and think about it. You don't have to have a lab coat to have a take on what's going on in your family, in your life, in your community. Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, but go ahead and talk about it. And I think we did that very poorly during COVID. We shut people down. We didn't allow them to speak. We said, you don't get to have a voice here, even within the public health sector. What came down from the WHO went to the CDC. What the CDC sent out to states went down to local health departments. They all said the same thing. None of them talked amongst each other. They debate. Did they say, hey, this is working over here. We're trying this. Nope. It's just nobody wanted to deviate from the plan that came down from who knows where. We forgot to talk. It's okay to have an opinion. And if you disagree with that opinion, it's okay to say, hey, you're off on this, but we can't shut people down. We can't tell them they can't talk. It prevented us from being better through this pandemic. I also listed on that same thing a negative. I thought journalism took a hit in the last several years. And I always felt, particularly in the first days of the pandemic, that we didn't ask enough questions, that We viewed our job, and I don't mean me personally, but I think there were a lot of outlets that viewed our job of whatever is said, whether it was Governor Evers and the health department having a a news conference or whether it was your local health department, our only job was to be a conduit. Whatever they say, we put it out to you. We don't question. We don't wonder. We don't challenge back. We just, this is the information. Here you go. And I thought we should have asked more questions, and I feel like we didn't. You agree? You you give me that look like yeah? No, I don't. Think, I don't really agree with that. No, not necessarily. I guess I just I I felt like, um, and this is me trying to be a skeptic, but probably more of a cynic. I just felt like all we were trying to do is get in front of each other. I, I it seemed like all it was was trying to be as divisive as possible to find reasons not to be Rosie the Riveter, but instead to be a problem for everybody. Everything was always an issue. No one tried to work together. I was more disappointed than anything as far as leadership went. Excuse me, as far as from top to bottom. Doesn't matter if it was local level, state level, national level. I felt like everything was trying to get in the way. I thought the one thing COVID couldn't kill was politics, and everything was a political issue. Everything was never about working together to get anything done, but to like find ways to disrupt everything. 
And I still feel that way now. I feel like all we try to do is try to disrupt the one another from actually finding a common cause. And I, whether it's COVID or not, but in this case, it was so blatantly obvious. We tried so hard not to succeed. I felt like it was, it was like <laughs> yeah, we worked right. at not succeeding because we wanted to prove that someone else was wrong instead of working together to make sure that we could all be right. I think the problem, too, and I completely agree with that, and I think one of the problems was for many Americans who see themselves as patriots, it was like we we didn't know which was right, mask well, on or mask sure, off. Y- yeah. If yeah, we yeah. could all come to agreement that this is the way, to borrow from the Mandalorian, this is the way. If we knew for sure, if there was some factual basis that we all agreed and bought into, wouldn't we all, as patriots, as Americans, get behind but that? But we would never all agree. Right. So can or we? Will. No, no. What do we <laughs> I don't think we can. Right. And the hard part was it was new. So, you know, so I used to laugh because we look back now on a, a couple months in and the science is in on this. The science wasn't in on it. It's still not in. We got years of data now that we have to discover. And scientists will tell you that science. too, that they're still looking at it. Right? Still looking at it. Yeah. And always will. At, yeah, I think you're right, though. As soon as it broke on political lines, then we divided into our camps. And my camp said the mask was good. Then it was good. My camp said the mask was bad, then it was bad, and we didn't even, there's another thing where we wouldn't look right in front of ourselves. What decision you know, was right for what, what I'm seeing? And people started to lead on that, though. We, in the early days of the pandemic, government set the standards, right? Did these are the lockdown procedures, or these are the mask mandates, these okay. are the vaccine yeah. mandates. But then people started almost leading <laughs> leading the government response. I remember when the masks were, quote-unquote, allowed to come off outside, People have been walking around outside for weeks, if not months. And then a couple of the news, I remember because I was working at TMJ4, I remember Today's Show picked up on it in Good Morning America. Early in a week, they said, they started asking, like, so if transmission's really low outside, don't you want to revisit this mask outside guideline? And that week, the CDC was out with, yeah, yeah, you don't really have to do that. So people began to lead by their own behavior. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Then the public health agencies and the government on that. That's one thing that evolved during the pandemic. Well, it's over anyway. So there (laughs) you go. All is well. Today, it's done. 8.30 on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Still outstanding, I suppose I didn't mention it, is where'd this whole thing start? Where did it come from? You know, I've been interested in that. I've done a lot of personal research. I read a book on it, and and the book was a a really well-balanced book. It was by an infectious disease specialist and then a medical journalist, and they they put everything out there, and they didn't, at the end, reach any conclusion of the book. I said, like, th- this is the evidence that we've presented. About where COVID, about where came, COVID from. came from. Well, now the, the feds are investigating that, right? They're open to the idea that it may have sprung from a lab or something like that, right? Yeah, and you don't have to believe that COVID was created deliberately as a bioweapon to also believe that it could have leaked out of the Wuhan lab. Because it would make sense for it to be studied. Yes, and they do study coronaviruses at right, that that's lab. Thing. That very lab is the place... The one place on Earth where the most known relatives or closest matches to what COVID-19 is, all of them exist in one place on Earth. It's that lab. 
So could not a variant have come and infected someone and that person gets out? Do you, so you don't have to buy into the the Chinese were trying to destroy the world with this virus by deliberately leaking it out to also think that it could have leaked out of the lab. Their lab leaks all the time here in the United States, all over the world. So entirely plausible. One thing that bothered me about that is and maybe ultimately we find out it didn't. I happen to believe that's that's where I'm leaning but maybe we ultimately find proof that it originated in in nature, which it also could have, could have originated in nature, been brought to the lab, as many specimens are, and then escaped that way. But nonetheless, maybe we find out that the Wuhan lab had nothing to do with it. It was just the greatest coincidence of all time, and that's where we ultimately land. But I think we are right to demand a robust investigation and that none of the people who possibly are involved in funding the Wuhan lab are involved in the investigation this time. Please. Thank you. Twenty minutes before nine o'clock on Wisconsin's morning news. I promised Trump Trump being Trump. Former President Donald Trump, front-running GOP candidate for 2024, coming off very fascinating performance in a CNN town hall in New Hampshire. He took questions from voters. The moderator, let me talk about her first quick, Caitlin Collins, who I definitely credit for conducting a very sound conversation. When you're interviewing the former president and how he answers his questions, it can get off the rails in a hurry. She's a rising star at CNN, by the way. I never watched a lot of. We have her on here, and you know we had four, six, twelve on in here in the newsroom, and then we usually uh, flip between CNN and some others. But uh, she, when she's on in the morning, like I've never really heard her; I've only just kind of seen her. I thought she handled the interview very well because you want to, you have, you have to jump in and interrupt the president, or he'll filibuster for an hour and a half, right, and get off the rails on stuff. Right. So you have to get, you got to get your questions in. You want to be respectful, but also. If you're meek, he'll just run over you. But also, as a viewer, like I don't want to. I don't want to see two people out there fighting. I don't want to talking see, over each other the whole time. Yeah, and I don't want to. See, I, so I think she did a really good job balancing that that fine distinction between, you know, being assertive as the interviewer, but also like letting him answer, and not to appear that you're that you're fighting with him. I don't want you to see you spar. But I want to make sure that you get your questions in. So I, I think she did a good job. And I thought the former president's performance was was very interesting. Maybe you bought what he was selling. Maybe you didn't. But I did find it to be a substantive and measured conversation. He got busy in the first moments like he'd almost literally just walked out on stage and got right to 2020 and repeating his familiar claims about it. Uh, unless you're a very stupid person, you see what happens. A lot of the people... <laughs> A lot of the people in this audience, and maybe a couple that don't, but most people uh, understand what happened. So he continued to call the election rigged, and and Collins did press him on that immediately. Mr. President, back to what you just said there, though. It it was not a rigged election. It was not a stolen election. You and your supporters lost more than 60 court cases on the election. It's been nearly two and a half years. Can you publicly acknowledge that you did lose the 2020 election? Let me me just go on. If you look at True the Vote, they found millions of votes on camera, on government cameras, where uh, they were stuffing ballot boxes. So So first, that's a no on our answer to the question of can you admit that you lost? And secondly, no, that like I've tried to be open minded about all the claims, Eric. I've read multiple books on it. I've researched independently the claims of ballot stuffing. We know now claims about Dominion voting machines were absolutely false. 
cost Fox hundreds of millions of dollars. Almost a billion. Former president's own team, his attorney general, his White House lawyers, his vice president all said that didn't happen. We did look. It didn't happen, and he wouldn't, would not then, nor will he now listen to them. Fox News essentially said it's not about red and blue, it's about green. That's what they were doing. It's about money. That's what they were trying to do. So speaking of the vice president, Collins did ask about January 6th, and specifically former Vice President Mike Pence. A longer moment here, but uh, I did want this to, to play out for you. Who was at the Capitol that day, as you know, was your vice president, Mike Pence, who says that you endangered his life on that day. I don't do think he feel, was in any danger. Mr. President, do you feel that you owe him an apology? No, because he did something wrong. He should have put the votes back to the state legislatures, and I think we would have had a different outcome. I really do. But he doesn't have the authority to do that, as you know. What? The vice president does not have the authority to okay, reject those elections. Are you ready? Let's have this one out just now, because it's interesting. Let's keep it interesting, right? <laughs> I like Mike Pence very much. He's a very fine man. He's a very nice man. He made a mistake. His lawyer said, you cannot move. I called him the human conveyor belt. I said, even if the votes, you mean, I talked to his lawyer, even if the votes are absolutely fraudulent, he can't. Yes, sir, he can't. And the Democrats played it and the rhinos played it. Heard a lot of applause in that audience as well, though there were, I think CNN noted at the front end that many of the people that were invited were Trump supporters. Um. And, and various others in the audience. So you shouldn't read anything into like, well, he was winning over the crowd. Some, you know, they, these were folks who were ready to hear exactly what he continues to deliver. They were already won that. over. Yes. Um, former President Trump on the recent sexual assault verdict in the civil trial continues to claim he does not know that accuser. There were some exchanges on that. I feel like we kind of covered that yesterday when the verdict came down, mm-hmm, a day mm-hmm. after the verdict came down. So let's move on to something else. His comments on the war in Ukraine. Very interesting. Here's this exchange. If I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. How would you settle that war in one day? Because I'll meet with Putin, I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking down this this country. You but said one you of the don't think you in have terms to do of winning is you have and losing. To you have Mr. To President, get can I just follow up on that? Because that's a really important no, excuse statement me, let me that just you just made up. there. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. So classic Trump right there. I know a lot of people, right and left, actually agree with his position on Ukraine, that this is not a war that is winnable for Ukraine. I get that we get into dangerous territory then when you talk about, well, we need to settle this. Well, then, does that only embolden Vladimir Putin in Russia to say, well, I went in here and, yeah, there was some pushback, but I still got to do what I got to do. And I got to annex land and do all of these things. And so I, I grant you it's a very difficult, difficult question. But there are definitely people who agree with the former president on this point that what we need to do is figure out a quick way to end this because otherwise – this never ends. Oh, and ultimately, the end is going to be the same either way, whether it's yes. now or 18 months argument. from now. Buy into it or not, but that's the argument. Yeah. And that every day that we wait, more Ukrainians die. And the president pointed out more Russians die. Um, and regardless of which way you stand on that, right, that that is occurring. So are all we doing by sending billions and billions and billions of dollars in weapons and in aid to Ukraine, are all we doing is extending 
the the death toll causing more more pain and more suffering over an extended period where ultimately we'll be at this point next month next year two years from now how long do you want to draw it out so i thought that was interesting and the other part she tried to to get him to call vladimir putin a war criminal and he wouldn't do it and i don't read that a lot of folks say because he's a russian sympathizer and because they put him in the white house and all that stuff, i don't read it that way i think trump is a negotiator that is the one thing that he's best at you can question his leadership but i think he's a good negotiator and he gives up nothing that he could use as influence as what do they call that as leverage right leverage yeah. and he's sitting here thinking if i'm to get these two guys in a room if i'm to get zelensky and putin in a room maybe he's not going to get those two in a room actually though. in like, a room yeah we right. actually say but if that. we're going to get people come to on. the table right i want to come in here and be able to broker this deal and he doesn't want to give up that leverage so i think that's fascinating whether or not he could do it what did he say 24 hours yeah. come be on. tomorrow okay that's classic trump too a lot to take away from that. A bunch of the clips are up. Uh, you can find them on Twitter and on CNN. But uh, I would encourage it. It's If you dislike President Trump, I'd encourage it. There's a lot there that you can take away that will make you angry and say this is why he can't ever be president. If you like him, there's a lot there that you want to hear. Either way, we know this morning he is not going away. 848 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Good morning, America. Yeah, looking good. Looking good. Hurley, Wisconsin's own. Nanti Nimi is his name. Eight-year-old boy who's from Hurley, Wisconsin, which is like right on the border with the UP. Yeah, Prittner to UP there. Yeah, and he uh, spent a couple of days living in the woods by himself. He was lost in the Porcupine Mountains Wilderness State Park. We told you about the story a couple of days ago. Happened over the weekend. Went out with his uncles and his grandpa. Went camping. Went to go get some firewood. He never came Gone. back. Never came back. So where in the world was he? Well, they went searching for him, tried to find him, couldn't, and then they realized we better we better get some help. They took some time to search for him and couldn't find him. They decided they needed to give up and call for help. That's mom, Jessica Berger there on Good Morning America. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Uh, we better call this one in. We can't find the kid. Eight years old, and he just was nowhere to be found. How does that happen? Like, I've never actually been lost in the woods. Well, eight-year-old kid, but probably. Like, he just know, went he, too far. He kind of just, just couldn't find his way looking back. around. You climb up a half a tree. Then you look at this. You see a stream. You walk over here. You look over there. And then you're like, wait a minute. Where am wow. I? Wow. That still happens. I guess so. And we heard from him, too. Yep. I pray for being found and not stuck out here. For the rest of my life. <laughs> saying he was praying for being found, didn't want to be stuck out there. It sounded like he the... was bored, that that was his major issue. I mean, he really didn't have much to do. He ate snow. That's how he stayed hydrated. He covered himself in leaves in order to stay warm. He did see a helicopter once hover over him, and he tried to stay positive. At that point, I, I you know, what do you do? You can't really get that helicopter's attention, perhaps. He's so small and trying to get the attention of the pilot there. But eventually, someone he heard the noises. He knew that someone might be there. I heard people yelling my name, and I saw a lime green thing hanging. And I, then I saw somebody. So he saw someone in some of the clothes that they had on, called for them, and yes, the rescuers finding him in good health, 
two days after he went missing and two miles from his campsite. Oof. Well, okay, I guess that's how you go missing in the woods. <laughs> right? Two I miles asked, away, like, right? You just get too far out. and like He couldn't have gone this far. So they right? had quadrants that they were kind of working on yeah. to try to figure out where he was. So rescuers were organized enough to know, okay, let's check over here now. Let's do this. Let's do that. And they're able to bring him home. And uh, it's funny, the superintendent and the principal at the Hurley School District, they said they had a... Kids were going nuts That's once awesome. they announced that to everybody. Like, hey, we found him uh, on Monday afternoon. Kids were just screaming. I want to go. What's Je- what's mom's name? Jessica. Yes. Right. Okay. I w- so who's was it? Her brother was the uncle, or was it her husband's brother? The uncle and grandpa that were out there. Right. Jeez. <laughs> oh, How about that phone call? Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, good. We're having a good time. He caught a couple of fish. He's doing great. A couple of walleye. Yeah. We're just. Doing good. Can I talk to him? Yeah. Um, he's on a hike. He's hiking now. But um, we're probably going to stay a couple more days. <laughs> yeah. We're having such a good time. I'll have oh, him call Lord. you soon. If he, if we Low battery here. We might not be able to call for a little <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> you idiots. I can't even fathom. You idiots lost my boy yeah, in the Where woods. is he? You idiots. Well, happy Mother's Day to Jessica. Absolutely. No doubt. 8.56 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Just before 9 o'clock, I suppose I don't mention often enough, we are live streaming video now here at WTMJ. All of our shows, you can watch them live on video from our studios here at the Avenue, online at WTMJ.com, our mobile app, the WTMJ YouTube page, and on our social channels. You can look while you listen with the WTMJ video stream. Who did you say commented on that, Greg? Someone from Finland. Yeah, we had a viewer from Finland who's a Racine native, but he said, yeah, I'm in Finland right now, and I had no idea you had a live stream until you mentioned it. So shout so out to Finland. Shout, shout out to Finland. <laughs> 9 All of Scandinavia. Uh, Tracy Johnson is in for Steve Scafidi. She's next on WTMJ. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified?